How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are locked on Lakers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. I am Anthony Irwin. I am not joined by Harrison Fagan. He's a flake. Uh, he decided that writing for the school paper is more important than the daily responsibility of talking to you kind people about the Los Angeles. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, the, that laugh in the background is actually Ben Gibson of 8.9seconds.com, the Indiana Pacers team site for fan-sided. We'll get to him in a second, but before we do that, make sure you're following the show on Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, TuneIn Stitcher, and today's Fast Break. Use those promo codes on SeatGeek and Mac Weldon. Ben, how are you holding up? You still have Paul George, so that probably helps. I think so, though. If you ask Pacers Twitter, um, he's the cause of everything that's ever gone wrong in the world. So <laughs> <laughs> it's already it's already started then. They've they've already kind of started turning on him. It already started beforehand, um, but yeah, since the uh, trade deadline, some of the uh, more vocal critics have gotten more vocal. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny. It, it kind of reminds me of back when Kobe was demanding a trade, and his trade demands happened before the season took place. I think opening night at, at uh, Staples Center, uh, they actually booed him at, in the... Uh, in the initial, you know, introductions to get the game started. And, <laughs> and, and it was kind of funny because it's surreal. They're booing Kobe Bryant. He's like this prodigal son basically out there. He's, he was the closest thing to Magic that the Lakers had had since Magic Johnson. And uh, they're booing him. And then as as the game went on, Kobe played really well. I think he, he made the kind of shot that like, it iced the game and then they fouled him and he was at the free throw line. So it went from they were booing him to then they were chanting MVP for him. <laughs> and, and it just kind of goes to show how fickle fans can be. Uh, but that's too bad hearing that about Paul George, somebody who for the most part has been a pretty great Lake or a pacer, right? I'm Frodian slip, I guess. Yeah. I think you're jumping the gun there, son. <laughs> <laughs> I guess there is a little bit of uh um, I guess it's just right because Paul George always looked up to Kobe Bryant. So if they kind of get treated the same way or there's any sort of uh, uh, similar narrative there, that that maybe is just Paul George trying to look up to his idol. That's uh, that's <laughs> that's one way to do it. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't think that Paul George runs as well off spite as Kobe Bryant did in his career. I can't think of any NBA player who was m- more fueled by spite um, in their career. 
Um, and uh, that's what made Kobe Bryant great. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's kind of funny. Most athletes, you know, you can kind of see people get under their skin. And when the athlete doesn't, you know, gets angry, then, you know, the game could go kind of one way or the other. But usually when a player tried to tug at Kobe's cape, it didn't turn out very well. And, and uh, but yeah, I, I guess... I kind of see George, it's kind of tough with him because with Kobe, Kobe wanted to be a Laker, like held out basically. He didn't do workouts with with certain teams during the draft process. He always wanted to be a Laker. So I think when all that, all the trade talk was going on, it was, you know, he was frustrated, you know, in the forefront of, all right, I'm really sick of playing with Kwame Brown. I'm really sick of playing with Brian Cook. And the rest of these bums get me some help or trade me to Pluto. But I don't think he ever truly wanted to leave the Lakers. Whereas like with Paul George, there's a destination that he has in mind that I think he's always kind of sort of preferred anyway. Is that fair to say? I think to a certain extent. I think for him it's he grew up around Los Angeles. That's Mm -hmm. always going to hold a special place for him. But at the same time, his – his name, his career has been made in Indiana. I, I do believe him when he says that, you know, he wants to win a title. He wants to remain a pacer if there's a path to winning a championship. I, I don't I don't personally have any problems with that. I mean, that's how I would handle my own career if I was a player like that. You know, I want to win wherever I started, but, mm-hmm. you know, if you could also put me on um, – I'm originally from West Virginia, so we don't have a team. But, you know, if it was somehow I could play for the Pacers, you know, yeah, that would probably be a similar situation. So I I, I don't think it's exactly the same, kind of like we were talking with Kobe. But um, for me, it's like there's nothing wrong with the way he's handling this for the most part. I mean, I guess if people want to nitpick, um, you know, um, they can, but... I think, you know, what he told um, Herb Simon, the Pacers owner, is, you know, if there's a path to winning, he wants to remain a Pacer. And if he, there isn't, he do, he wants to play for his hometown team. So I don't think he's got a foot out the door as much as um, he, you know, he knows what he wants to do if he's going to leave this situation. And I think those are two different things. And yeah. I I think if they can bring in some players over the summer that kind of change the outlook – of the team, then, you know, then there's a chance that he'll stay. But yeah, I think, you know, him in a Lakers uniform seems like a likelihood at this point. But, you know, I remember a couple years ago talking with Lakers fans, they were like, you know, he's not going to sign an extension. He's just going to sign with the Lakers. And then, you know, I was able to kind of rub it in their face that, you know, no, that's not how it worked out. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the other thing here too, is that if the extension becomes available, right. And, so this is a this is a two part I guess question that I have. And the way this is gonna work, and we're gonna get to it eventually, Ben and I are gonna negotiate a trade and we're gonna go through the steps of negotiating a trade if if the Pacers if we can make one work in which the Pacers uh from Ben's end feels comfortable uh acquiring the assets that the Lakers might give up, or from my end if I'm comfortable giving up assets for somebody who is directly linked to the Lakers in in a in about a season or so. We'll get to that in a second, but 
one thing that has to be mentioned here, and I actually wrote about this on Silver Screen and Roll. Paul George, if he if he makes an All NBA team, either this or next year, right? That's the that's the way that works. Uh, correct. Uh, if he makes an All NBA team, either this or next year, he becomes available for the. Essentially, it's a supermax, right? Where it's a two hundred nine million dollar deal over five years. He's getting paid forty million dollars a year, and um, we we saw it with Boogie, where he was. Uh, eligible for the trade or for for the extension as well and everything was lined up for him to sign that extension uh but then we kind of found out that you know maybe the king's ownership and part of that has to do with Vivek being a crazy person but <laughs> uh he they wind up kind of backing out of wanting to pay DeMarcus Cousins 40 million dollars a year for 5 years and uh and you know I, do you think we'll see a similar thing with Paul George, where even if he is a, a, eligible to make that supermax contract, that's a lot of money for a small market to fork over to somebody who is then also, you know, he's going to sign that contract, and it's going to, to to hinge upon, you know, can you put title contending ta- talent around me despite me making almost half of the cap? Uh, so, do you think? Do you think on one end? Do you think George would feel comfortable signing that Supermax contract, which is a crazy question because it's $40 million a year to play basketball. (laughs) But on the other end of it, do you think Indiana's ownership is going to feel comfortable paying him that amount of money uh, and and promising him that they'll be able to put talent around him despite him making an, an insane amount of money? Because for me, I think small markets are kind of put in a bind in this situation. Yeah, I think that's a thing that kind of got overlooked when the news broke with the CBA and everything. I think that they would be comfortable just in the sense that, you know, um, after the brawl and everything, it was hard to find relevance for the team for a while, even with, you know, a good player like Danny Granger. I think they're willing to pay it, but I I think the problem would be more of how they would actually get it to work than whether the team would be willing to pay it. Um, Because mm. to a certain extent, they're only going to spend a certain amount of money one way or another. The question would be is how they spend it. And um, so I don't think his, con- I don't think his contract would stop them from doing that. But I get, like you were saying, there would then be kind of the catch 22 of how do you build a team around him? Mm-hmm. Um I think a lot of it depends on Miles Turner and if he develops into anything special. And I think he will, but the question is, are their windows going to overlap enough that you can make that happen? Um, that's that's a big part of it, too. Um, I, I definitely think the Pacers would be willing to pay him, but right now I think the bigger problem is either A, getting being competitive so he wants to stay, and then on top of that, you know, figuring out the plan to remain competitive if he does stay, um, it's it's not it's not easy either way. But no. um, I, I mean, I think Simon in the past has um, paid the luxury tax when the team was um, I think when the team uh, was good and the year they went to play the Lakers in two thousand. Um, but I, again, it's the question of if that team is going to be there or not as far as being that good and that's that's a harder question to answer right now well the other thing too there is that you know paying a luxury tax back then now there was less money to go around back then obviously 
uh, and that's a big factor as well. But nowadays, in order to just get to the luxury tax, I think you have to get over. I mean, the the, the cap itself is going to be at one hundred nine million dollars, right? I believe so. Uh, by the time George is avail- is eligible for that supermax contract, if he if he does become avail- eligible for it. Uh, I guess that's another question too. Do you think he'll? Do you think he can get into that stratosphere? Because there are, you know, there's he he plays at a position with LeBron and with Durant and with Kawhi Leonard, and you go on down the line with all these forwards. Do you think you know he can make an All NBA team over the you know either this year or next year? I think this year is going to be a little bit more difficult. Just. The way they started off, um, despite the fact they're basically the same record as they were last year, and um, I believe um, um, I'd have to check, but uh, um, they're about on the same track. It's just I think not hitting expectations will ultimately make it harder for Paul George to win any awards this year. And he's had a down year a little bit, though he's been more efficient. Um, I could rant about that for a while, but I'll (laughs) save you the trouble. Um, I think this year it's going to be a little bit harder. Like I said, they're, they're feeling, they're still figuring things out. Um, And uh, he is having a little bit of a down year, but uh, I think next year he's got a better chance at it. Um, It, it's tough, though. Um, yeah, that pool of talent is insane. Yeah, I'd say somebody's going to end up not getting, not being an All NBA player, but it'd be hard to look at them and not think that they are an NBA, you know, an All NBA player. Yep, I uh, I, com- I completely agree. Now, all right, so let's go ahead. We'll we'll do the we'll do it this way. We'll go through the first. We'll I'll start the deal. Uh, and then you get the opportunity to counter, and then we'll take it on to the next stage of, of the conversation, which is should the Pacers, you know, if, if the Lakers wind up keeping their pick or or if Paul George, if it looks like the Pacers aren't able to, to keep or aren't able to put, you know, sufficient talent around Paul George, should they look to move him anyway before they lose him in free agency? That'll be the next bit of of the conversation. I'll go ahead and start the bidding, though, here. And we'll we'll do so under the scenario in which the Lakers keep their pick. Because I think that makes it the, the simplest, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. So I'm not going to include that pick quite yet because I'm opening up negotiations. I'll say, mm. and, and you're, and you're going to love this offer, uh, <laughs> Jordan Clarkson and Tarek Black for Paul George straight up. Well, one, Tarek Black. No? Well, one, Tarek Black nearly got um, eliminated from the internet by Miles Turner earlier this year. So I don't think that situation is really going to work out in the locker room together. Yeah, probably not. On top of it, just no. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that sounds fair. Let's let's go ahead and and hear your equivalent of that offer, and we'll try to work towards the middle uh, with each other here. Um, Can you send D'Angelo Russell, Jordan Clarkson... And Brandon Egram back our direction and that draft pick. I'm probably gonna have to similarly say no. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, all right. This is actually this is actually something I wanted to touch on here. So Adrian Wojnarowski in a podcast that came out right after the trade deadline, he was talking to Bobby Marks, said that the Lakers were told, and he didn't clarify, he didn't specify by whom, but the Lakers were told reportedly not to trade their young core for Paul George, right? And 
the way I took it, now I, I kind of, when I wrote the article, I wrote it, you know, well, who this could be coming from, what it would mean if it was coming from various angles. The one that kind of makes the most sense to me is if it's from Paul George's camp, because otherwise you really kind of have to twist and turn to try to make sense of where it would be coming from. And if it's coming from Paul George's camp, it reminds me of back when Kobe was demanding a trade. He rejected a trade to go to the Chicago Bulls because the Bulls were going to include Luol Deng and he wanted to play with Luol Deng. Now, it's a, a slightly different scenario here because Kobe actually wanted to play with uh, Luol Deng, whereas I kind of see, like when I think Paul George looks at the Lakers' young talent, he says, or his camp is saying, hey, don't trade those guys because if I sign there in 2018, we could use that to get me more help and we can, you know, build, you know, we could hasten the build, the, the, the build around me with those guys than if you, you know, trade everybody like the Knicks did for Carmelo Anthony. Uh, did you did you hear that reporter? And, and if so, did you read it the same way I did? Uh, yes, I heard that report. Um, I didn't really try to overthink it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it does make sense, like you're saying, that that would come from Paul George's camp. But at the same time, um, if he's going to be a free agent in two seasons, you know, uh, um, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I guess I'm also always kind of suspicious of anything from Woj like that because – I mean, part of the reason he's able to do his job so well is working with agents and everything like that. So, uh, is is that an is that the agent saying that? Is you know, is either team? Did Paul George's camp? Is that? I mean, I guess it just feels like you know, I've got a murder wall conspiracy board, you know, trying to figure it out at that point. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. I mean, like it definitely makes sense, and ah. Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't blame his agent, but at the same time, that would be very frustrating to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess the thing is, too, is, I mean, how much do you think those guys also are definitely the Pacers' future, or not the Pacers, the Lakers' future? I mean, I definitely think they're good, but how, how many of those are parts that maybe will be exchanged, you know, you can switch out for somebody who's, you know, good. I mean, like, I guess, do you think those guys are going to be great? I guess it's my question. It's kind of a similar boat that I think Turner is a more exciting prospect than any of those guys right now, based on what we've seen from those players. Uh, I've, I've liked, I liked, uh, I'm a university of Texas fan, right? I'm a Longhorn fan. And I really liked Turner while he was there. Uh, and when he got to the pros, I didn't think he was going to shoot the ball the way he, he has, or he's shown an ability to do. And that kind of changes things a lot with him. Now he's still young. And I, if I'm Paul George, I'm kind of, I'm looking at him. I'm si- I'm looking at him sideways. Like, Hey dude, you, you got to catch up to me so that we can legitimately contend for, for a title here. Or I'm looking at ownership and saying, Hey, this guy has shown a lot. Maybe we can sell high on this guy and bring in le- legitimate win-now talent uh, instead. And I think that's how he would look at any of the Lakers kids. Is I think Russell has shown flashes. I think Ingram has shown flashes, though Ingram has been down more than up. Randall has similarly shown flashes. Nobody on the Lakers, though, is of like the Nikola Jokic ilk or the Kristaps Porzingis or... 
the Carl Anthony Towns or the Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like none of those guys are in that realm of talent. And because of that, I think they'd have to, you know, combine a couple of them to bring in another all-star as well as, you know, potentially hopefully shedding uh, the disastrous Luol Dang and and Timothy Mozgov deals to maybe sign (laughs) another free agent as well. And that's what they would sell Paul George on if if they were able to sit him down in a meeting and say, this is the path that we're going to try to take forward. But yeah, there's still a lot of work to be done in Los Angeles. That's why it was kind of funny. And that's why Twitter reacted the way it did when he said, I want to be closer to winning a title. And I also want to be in Los Angeles because people are saying, well, wait, if you want to be closer to be to, to a title, accept a trade or, or get yourself to Denver, get yourself to New York, like figure out a way to, to, to set yourself up with similarly talented guys. And, you know, at the very least, more than the Lakers have to offer right now. See, I read that as he's he was saying, I want to be a pacer. I want to win here. But if that's not happening, I'd rather be in a you know similar situation with the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Not that they aren't on the rise themselves, but I, I read it more as um, you know if the two are the same, I'd rather be in my hometown mm-hmm. uh, than a direct comparison. Because yeah, because if not, he should stay in Indiana because they're closer at this particular moment than the Lakers are. But, you know, like I said, I, I read it a little bit differently, but I don't th- I think we're both, you know, either camp there. You're trying to figure out you're trying to read the tea leaves more than actually knowing what, you know, we're trying to understand. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of that's kind of what we're forced to do here to a large extent. Right. Is because the leaks come out and and for Paul George, the incentive is pretty clear. Uh, play your butt off in Indiana get paid 40 million dollars a year and even if you aren't at home it's not like indiana like you said he's made his name in indiana i don't think he hates it out there like you said i think i think he he likes it out there and he wants to to try to win out there and even if you even if you outright hate somewhere like bookie was willing to stay in sacramento so long as he was getting paid 40 million dollars a year the Pacers situation is way better than that you know that's a lot of money to get paid to play uh to play basketball Maybe we can do a podcast sometime discussing which cities actually like um, top five, bottom five. But I think one thing that kind of gets lost in that discussion is even if you play in L.A., how often during the season are you actually going to really be able to take advantage of that? I'm not saying, you know, you can't, but, you know, these guys are on the road so much. It just seems like that not that not to not to this is not comparing Indianapolis to L.A., but Mm -hmm. I just mean that. You can only take so much advantage of that during the season. And I've always, you know, I definitely understand why guys would want to play in given markets. But yeah, I mean, to me, it's like Paul George, you know, he can enjoy Indiana and just be happy to go home during the summer, you know, and take advantage of LA for a couple months and then, you know, get back to work. So yeah, I mean, I guess that's always something that's annoying me about the markets. I, f- I feel like people will act like, you know, these guys can take advantage of it every day. I'd still like to live in LA and enjoy the weather there, you know, either way, but <laughs> Yeah, I think I think the market thing So I've had multiple and I'm biased because I live out here, right? And yeah. and, and I'm I'm used to 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 the LA weather and and everything that it has to offer and and, I just want to cl- clarify real quick. It definitely matters. I yeah. just question how much. Yeah, and that's <laughs> and that's absolutely fair to question, right? And 
uh, I think it matters more to somebody like Paul George who's from here than somebody who is just trying to take advantage of the business opportunities opportunities that come from being in Los Angeles. Like it used to be, it used to be you had to be in LA to take advantage of the LA business opportunities, right? Now I think you can, you know, with with email and video conference calls and how easy it is to travel, you can you can make it work to where I think Paul George just got a signature shoe, right? Yeah, the uh, PG one. I have to double check if it's officially out yet, but yeah, I mean, he's got his own shoe, his own logo, all that fun stuff. So it's he's a Gatorade uh, um, spokesman or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, like obviously the New York LA market's going to give you special opportunities, but it's not like he's making significantly less money off his endorsements right now, as far as I know. Yeah, I, I think it matters like. A superstar like Paul George is going to be able to be a superstar no matter what. Uh, now, I think he would receive a bump. Like, there would be no question. And he was he was an all-star this year, right? He, um, yeah, yeah. He was uh, – um, he made it in um, – after the uh, fan voting or whatever. Um, I forget exactly how, but yeah, he's an all-star. Fourth, it was the fourth one. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So he got he got the fan vote too. Then it wasn't a it wasn't a matter of like the coaches having to vote him in. Um, no, I think the coaches did have to vote. Okay, I for, I forget because they changed the system this year. Um, yeah, and the equation was weird. Yeah, I would say I think he was like seventh or eighth in all of them. Um, so yeah, I think he maybe made the set, you know, just wasn't a starter. Like yeah. I said, the new system kind of threw off my understanding of it and I have a five month old. So occasionally <laughs> my brain just dies on these things. <laughs> I can, I can only imagine, but I, I think like if he comes to LA because the Lakers have such a crazy fan base, like he would get, he would probably get voted in. Oh yeah. I about uh, to say there would be no question every time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like that's, that's, you know, kind of what he's looking at in terms of, immediate benefits but but yeah for a superstar i i think you could be a superstar regardless now for somebody like jj reddick and when he becomes a when he becomes a free agent he's already out here in los angeles but he's only going to look at markets like chicago and new york and los angeles because he wants to continue or he wants to continue working on his career after he retires right so he has a podcast and he wants to be out here closer to, to LA Showbiz on a daily basis so that he can get that in and he isn't a superstar who people will just clear their schedules for anyway. Right. So that's that's where I think you see it more than anything. Let's go ahead and get to the to the next stage of these negotiations. I'll go I guess I and, and you're lucky. I didn't even include the, the Luol Dang or Timothy Mozgov contracts last time. <laughs> uh but what I what I will offer you this time I'll I'll sweeten the package a little bit and I'll I'll say that because uh because the Pacers would be in a full-fledged uh rebuild as soon as they make this deal the Lakers would probably have to take on some additional money Monte Ellis is going to be getting paid uh 20 million dollars after the end of the season right uh, um, let me double check that while you're talking. I think it may not be that much. I, I think. Well, I don't know if there's any kind of options. I'm here on the trade machine. It's it's kind oh, of okay. like my homepage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'll go ahead and, and the Lakers will take on more uh, money here, and I'll add Brandon Ingram to the to the to the deal. But I'm not going to include any picks because 
the Lakers are taking on a contract, and Brandon Ingram is a number two pick overall, going with Jordan Clarkson and Tarek Black. I'm I'm going to make Tarek Black and and uh, and Turner get along. Mm-hmm. So, so so again, just remind me what the package is. So it's going to be Jordan Clarkson, Tarek Black, and Brandon Ingram for Paul George and Monte Ellis. I I still couldn't pull the trigger on that. The Pacers. I mean, I know we're getting to it, but the Pacers would be would the Pacers need those picks if Paul George is going more than anything else. And I like Ingram and some of the other guys. It's just. Um, one of my biggest frustration with the people wanting to kind of send Paul George out of town from, you know, the Pacers side of things is even if Miles Turner exceeds expectations, you're further from a championship and Miles is 20. He's not going to be ready to compete for a championship for at least four or five more years. And that's even assuming he's good enough to do something like that. I'm still not sure where I'd put his ceiling. So I mean, I'm pretty much going to say no till there's picks unless, like, I don't know. Do we get Swaggy P? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, if you want him, I, he's he's probably going to opt out of his contract, so I don't think the Lakers will really be... Uh, Wait, I, fi- I, I figured it out. Let's bring Meta World Peace back home. <laughs> Deal. No, <laughs> I, I'd actually be okay with the idea of... Uh, um, world peace playing in Indiana. Obviously, not everyone's going to be down with that idea, but as much as sometimes players do not change after things happen, I think it's easy to look at him and kind of be like, "Yeah, I think he sort of figured out what he did wrong." <laughs> yeah, I think so. He's actually—I mean, everybody has heard this by now—but he's he made amends with the guy that uh, actually threw the beer and started the whole thing. Right. And yeah. I mean, like he he's to me, he's done everything you possibly can in that situation to be like, I messed up. I'm really sorry. Please forgive me. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Yeah, I, I Meta's turned into and it's kind of too bad that he's on the Lakers right now. And like he's taking up a roster a roster spot that the Lakers could probably benefit from from having open right now to look at, you know, potential younger talent. But but yeah, Meta's. Meta's meta. Like he's gonna be, he's gonna, he's gonna be a fan favorite no matter what. All right, let's hear your, let's hear your counter offer. Uh, you know, you're, you said you wanted a pick. Uh, let's, let's hear what you're, what you're looking to, to offer here. Okay, we're assuming that first round pick from Houston stays with the Lakers. Uh, well, so you, you want, you want both picks, or you would. You're you're hoping for both picks here, I'd imagine, right? Because you're you're negotiating down, right? Uh, yes. All right. So you want the package that I offered, plus both picks. Um. Okay. Wait. wait what's your are we? Okay. Which is I'm looking at uh, real GM. What are the picks that um, first round picks that the Lakers have this year? So if they if they keep their pick on lottery night, if they keep their top three pick, they'll have that. And the Houston pick, which is number twenty-seven right now. Okay, okay. It, they, apparently they don't have it currently listed with the Lakers their own pick. Um, or I'm just reading this wrong, and this is assets that aren't their own. Anyway, yeah, you have two picks. That's all we need to know. <laughs> <laughs> so you would want both picks plus Clarkson, Black, and and Ingram. I, I'd imagine here. Um, you can keep Black again. He he he, he he's too embarrassed. He's been banned from the state of Indiana. <laughs> Well, I guess I'm only including Black because that enables the Lakers to take back Monte Ellis for as a salary ballast. 
Okay, yeah, then that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I always I forget the salary matching sometimes. Yeah, the, and and Black, uh, his deal is basically non guaranteed for next year, so you wouldn't even have to keep him. But he's perpetually underrated. I I don't think enough people realize how how good he's been for like he's not gonna he's not a starting caliber center in the NBA by any stretch. But you know, I I was kind of surprised that no uh, team came calling to see, hey, you know. Can we get a? We'll we'll give you some kind of conditional second rounder or, a, you know, whatever for for Tarek Black as a, as energy off the bench. But that's just pretty me. good. Pretty good offensively, looking at the numbers too. Yeah, he's he's a great. He sets great picks, and he just kind of. My favorite thing about Black is that uh, he. It's kind of funny that the Byron, while he was here, commented at one point that he wished Black played more balls out. And of all players to criticize their effort, Black is probably <laughs> the worst guy that <laughs> that he that he possibly could have that he possibly could have pointed out or singled out there. Uh, but that's just—I mean, you you lived through a Byron Scott era, didn't you? Or I think you did, right? Uh, no, you didn't. No. no, no, I don't think you did. He was with uh, New Jersey. At the yeah, time. it was uh, Isaiah Thomas. Um, there you go. Uh, yeah. I was, say, I was like, you, you had me, you had me worried. I'd forgotten something about Pacer's sister. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, if I, I would love to black that out from from my memory, the the Byron Scott era in Los Angeles. <laughs> um, all right, so well, I'll I'll counter to that. I'm not willing to give up both picks uh, and Ingram, uh, especially when again the Lakers are potentially uh, a, a free agent destination for Paul George. But again. Like I had this conversation with a few people in my mentions today that, you know, a bird in the hand is better than two in the bush, right? And the last thing that the Lakers want here is for them to not make a trade for him. He gets traded to a contender, falls in love with the city that he's contending in, and now the Lakers lose out on yet another potential superstar who wanted to come to Los Angeles, right? So for those who wonder, hey, why would you be in a rush to trade for Paul George? That's the reason why you do not want to pass up on an opportunity to get this guy. Uh, all that said, I'm not willing to give up both picks and Ingram, so I'm going to pull Ingram off of the table. Oh, by the way, I was wondering, who would you prefer to have? Would you rather have Ingram or Russell? Ooh. Um, you've kind of caught me on the spot. I wasn't ready to answer that. <laughs> um... I think I would probably take Ingram right now if if I'm thinking right. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't. I maybe I can't give like the best explanation, but um, here, give me one second to think this through. <laughs> no worries. Um, I guess the best way to put it, assuming that Jeff Teague resigns with the Pacers, um, I don't think point guards their biggest priority. Um, I think shooting guard, if we could have fixed something at the trade deadline, that would have been it. And not that I wouldn't want D'Angelo Russell, but I assume he's not going to be wanting to come off the bench here um, in the next few years. And he'd be behind Jeff Teague, at least in the short term, if that was the situation. So I think I'd rather go with Ingram for fit, but maybe not for pure talent. All right, so I'll give you a choice here in terms of uh, how I'll, I'll how I'll offer this next stage of negotiation. I'm willing to give up Ingram, but I'm not willing to give up uh, the Lakers' top three picks should they keep it. Right, so you can have your choice between you know that Clarkson uh, Black, whose money is non guaranteed, Ingram, uh, 
and the number 27 pick for Paul George and Monte Ellis. Uh, or you can have Clarkson and Black and then whatever else the Lakers need to include to, uh, I think they got a trade exception in the Lou Williams deal, or they can just send in Corey Brewer to make the salaries work. Uh, and then and that top three pick for Paul George. Uh, so it would be Clarkson, Black, and the top three pick, or Clarkson, Black, Ingram, and the number 27 pick. Okay, let me let me clarify this by saying mm-hmm. that in a vacuum, I wouldn't actually want to say yes at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the Pacers feel like they're going to lose him, especially to the Lakers, I would actually start to consider that top three pick because that gives you a chance to rebuild. Um, unlike, I mean, maybe you can find that talent towards the end of the draft. For the sake of our, for the sake of this uh, bit, I'm going to say no to either. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, we're going to try to push for a better deal here in Indiana, <laughs> but in a very realistic way, knowing you may lose him, I think you have to start asking, you know, do we want to take that top three pick? Because, that's something to build with. That's something to work with. And this is supposed to be a pretty good draft on top of that. Yeah. I, I just finished watching Lonzo ball rip apart, uh, Washington. Markel Fultz didn't play tonight. I think he's kind of dinged up. Um, but Lonzo ball special. I, I think he's going to be really good. I mean, he's already better than Steph Curry, right? I, I think so. I, according to his dad, he's like Steph Curry, but taller I, Vivek, like Vivek's kind of kicking himself that he traded for buddy healed, who is, you know, Steph and Clay combined, and then he could have another <laughs> Steph and Clay combined. <laughs> Younger too. <laughs> this is this is a Lakers podcast, and I enjoy dumping on the Sacramento Kings. Oh, uh, poor Sacramento. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so the the issue here, though, is so let's say hypothetically speaking, the Lakers keep their pick, and and Magic actually said that he and Larry Bird are already planning on talking by the time the lottery rolls around. Right? Uh, I don't know if you saw that report today. I did not. Uh, but they. So we they, did family photos. I had priorities. <laughs> they, like like I said, I if you have a kid, you're let off of all kinds of, of duties. <laughs> uh, the, so basically, the Magic said that he was going to talk to Larry Bird about you know this this potential trade down the road. Uh, the one thing though, if you're if you're Larry Bird, you're saying, okay, do we want to make a trade at the draft when? Lonzo, you know, when the Lakers keep their pick, or do you want to try to uh, make it work as they near the deadline, and that pick kind of becomes no longer an option because it's an actual player at that point, right? So, if you were if you were Larry Bird, would you rather make a trade at the draft? And this will be the last question here, and we'll we'll get you out of here. Would you rather make a trade at the draft, or would you rather wait until the deadline and see what other teams have to offer on on more of an open market? I think you make the move at the draft at that point. Um, you, uh, like you said, the whole you know one in the hand, two in the bush. I feel like the longer you wait, the more likely you are to end up getting nothing out of it, um, or nothing, uh, or maybe not nothing, but not the same value that you would hope to get. Um, yeah, I think if they would have a top three pick, you you have to be serious about considering it at that point. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree. So I think we came to a pseudo conclusion with a couple disclaimers or a, a pseudo agreement with a couple disclaimers here, uh, based on the research that the Pacers do and talking to Paul George and the research that the Lakers do and 
whatever conversations they have to hold. But it sounds like we have something close to a deal here with Jordan Clarkson, Tarek Black, and that uh, number three pick going to – or the, the top three pick going to Indiana – and Paul George and Monte Ellis coming back to the Lakers. Do, do is that is that close? If we were in person, we would shake hands. I think. Yeah, and I think so. And I think the important thing on something like that would be it would also free up some room for the Pacers to make a move. Like that would be the biggest thing about moving a guy like Monta. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's not a matter. You know, some Laker fans are going to say, well, you know, what does Monte Ellis offer? This and that and the other. The biggest thing that Monte Ellis would offer is. Yet another asset that the Lakers could offer to the Lakers and say, "Hey, we'll take that. We'll take that contract off your hands. Uh, you guys can further your rebuild with with whatever free agents you have to offer." And you know, the Lakers have a lightly used Timothy Mozgov and/or Luol Deng <laughs> that we might be able to interest you in. Ben, this was a lot of fun. Uh, I really appreciate you hopping on it at this late an hour on late notice the way you did. Uh, I, I would imagine we're going to have a couple more conversations as we near the draft. And I'll be sad probably because Paul George is probably leaving. <laughs> hey, it was a great run though, right? Oh like, yeah. I about to say I've, he's still going to be one of the favorites and will be one of the best pacers, you know, even if he doesn't play his full career there. Do you think, I mean, do you think if he leaves or if the late, if the, if the pacers trade him this off season and he retires after a few years with the Lakers that the pacers think about retiring his Jersey? I think they would pass on it just because, you know, the, I mean, like, just because they didn't quite, you know, cross that threshold. Mm -hmm. Um, But it wouldn't be the most insane thing I've heard or anything like that. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. If it happens, it happens. If not, I can kind of understand why. But again, Ben, this is Ben Gibson of 8.9 seconds. Is it 8.9 or 8.9 seconds? Uh, 8.9 seconds. Two S's. Yes. Eight points nine seconds dot com. That's Fan Sided's Indiana Pacers blog. They do great work over there. Check out check out everything that they have going on over there. Uh, we'll be back at it again tomorrow as we preview the Lakers playing the Boston Celtics, uh, and and we are put in that ugly situation of having to root against the Lakers because they are tanking. That's always fun. Have a great night, Ben, and and thanks again for hopping on. Enjoy the tanking. All right, that was Ben Gibson of 8points9seconds.com. Let us know what you think about the trade that we came to. Let us know what you think about the conversation that took place, uh, if we missed anything or whatever. We'll be back at it again tomorrow. This is Anthony Irwin, LA. Make sure you're following uh, 8points9seconds. That's at 8PTS, the number 9, S-E-C-S, on Twitter. That's Fansided's Pacers blog. Uh, let us know what you think about the trade that we made. I, I think it's pretty fair, uh, to be completely honest. Uh, I think the Pacers would have to seriously consider it if they if they really felt like they were going to lose Paul George. Let us know if there were other iterations of the trade that you would have uh, rather included, if there were other players that you would have rather pushed to, to try to get rid of before you get to that top three pick. Uh, again, it's tough because the Lakers are working from a spot where they've been told by somebody don't trade your your kids or your young core for for Paul George because when he gets there he wants help as soon as he gets there. Uh, so you know we'll see how this turns out. This was a lot of fun though. Uh, maybe as we get closer to other trade deadlines, we'll try this. 
with other uh, other locked on hosts, and as we you know as we get closer to the draft, we'll go through other trade scenarios with other hosts as well. Uh, pretty fun little practice, fun fun little exercise here. Let us know what you thought about it, and we'll be back at it again tomorrow again to get ready for the the Lakers and Celtics game. Have a good one, everybody, and we'll talk to you then.